Hey everyone, welcome to Untucked. On this week's episode, we talk about the things you should be thinking about um, from a personal finance perspective uh, as you begin to consider investing. We are going to discuss our ability to focus and the things that interrupt it. And finally, we will wrap up with an article about dating um, in today's political climate. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 31 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. Did you guys know that if you Google the word askew, the page on your computer will tilt slightly clockwise? It's not the same not having you in here with me, Mike, to roll my eyes at him, but I know no, uh, hey. that word, the whole screen will just it'll go askew. Um, did you do it? I don't know. Oh, you didn't test it out? Of course I tested it out. She probably spelled it wrong. I did. A S K E W. Oh wow, it works. I like that fun fact because most people, when they hear it, Tim, will um, actually try it to see if it, if it works. I, that's one of my favorite fun facts. Good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Mike. I think that's, that, that it's, it's the spirit of the fun fact right there. <laughs> Sports-wise, Major League Baseball is coming back. Officially official. Is it? Yeah. Opening day is July 23rd or 24th. 60-game season. Are the Phillies in it? I heard they were out because like eight of them have COVID. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Mike, have you heard anything about the Phils? Yeah, I mean, same as you. A bunch of players and staff tested for it or tested positive for it. So imagine it's going to be the same case with uh, lots of players from lots of teams in all sports that, that come back. Yeah. I think. But what, like, think about that. So there's a handful of players on the team that are now positive. Yeah. Doesn't the entire team and staff have to quarantine now for two weeks? Well, haven't they, have they been together this whole time? But they're together now and they find out these people are positive. Or let's just say but they're not together now. I thought they were recording July 1st. Okay. Well, let me, let me back up then. Let's just say that. It's game five of the regular season. You have a guy that tests positive, which can very uh, – I mean, that there's a high probability of that happening somewhere. That team is going to have to shut it down for two weeks, correct? I think so. Yeah, I think that's everyone's concern with anybody going back, is that once it's – once someone has it, one player, it just – the requirements to try to – stop or limit the spread are just so significant. And that's what I think like with hockey and basketball, you know, 
that that's probably going to happen. And then how do you, you're in the playoffs. Like, what do you do? You, you quarantine the team and they forfeit the series. And I mean, that's just not going to work. Yeah. I think that's, what's going to happen. It's just not going to work because somebody's going to get it, which is going to quarantine a team, which is going to throw off the whole schedule. And it could be during the playoffs, which is going to screw everything up. So I, I, I don't see, I mean, as we're, I mean, look, we're all working through this, like on the fly. And I just, thinking about that aspect of it, it's probably not going to work. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, unless daily testing of everybody and whoever's, you know, negative can participate. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is there, I don't know enough about the, the virus itself to know, like, can you be exposed to a test negative for five days and then turn up with it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think there, yeah, I don't know the time frame, but I believe there is an incubation period where you can yeah. have it and not test positive for it. Yeah. So I think, I think Jeff, I agree with you for, for that reason. I think all NBA and NHL is not happening. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. And I think baseball is going to launch and then a month into that season, they're going to shut it down. It's just going to get shut down. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it doesn't work that way, but I don't really care about baseball. No one cares about baseball <laughs> except like China, right? South Korea. South I think. Korea is like yeah. way into American baseball. Super into baseball. Um, all right. Want to get into it then? Let's do it. Coach's corner. I'm in my twenties. How should I approach investing? Uh, Robin hood learn. So Robin hood snacks is a, uh, daily, I don't know, like it's like listserv that we subscribe to that just gives you a couple of um, relevant testing related points every day. And they have a section of their website where they offer um, pretty general, um, I guess, information for, for people looking to invest or looking to learn more about, about it. And this article attempts to simplify personal money management down to an acronym BOM. Budget, organize, maximize, or minimize, and balance. Um, in a discussion mostly around compartmentalization, the advice given to 20-somethings is to bucket their money based on time horizon and um, understand the role of each of these buckets. So they specifically talk about, you know, in my 20s, how should I approach investing? That's the title of the article. Um, kind of felt like the advice, while being very, very generic, pretty good. Yeah, I'll start with this one. I think <clears throat> investing is maybe the wrong word to even characterize it because it's really focused on your spending, the organization of your of your expenses, right? And and so the investing part of it is kind of for a lot of people in their twenties, it's either non-existent or very inconsequential. Um, so that was my one takeaway. Isn't that funny, Mike, how they title the article, how should I approach investing? Right. And like, that's the misconception. They just, they just use this word investing and the article literally talked nothing about investing. It talked about, like you just said, building a budget organization and how you structure yourself moving forward. Like I just, the world just, 
they use words in the wrong context in our business, like so prevalently. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think the one thing that gets missed a lot with all this advice for younger people um, is that the, to me, the surest way to like improve your odds of long-term success is to increase your income. And that means like a side hustle or just finding a better job or doing better in the current job you're in. Like those kinds of things are way more impactful, I think, in the long run. And you don't see much written about that. I thought I thought it was pretty good, though. Like you said, Meg, I mean, super simple. Uh-huh. It wasn't a long article. I th- I felt like they could have been a little bit more specific. But I mean, I remember when I started advising and knew nothing, but was kind of growing into the business. I mean, the, the, the friends that I had that were in their twenties, early twenties, mid twenties, the advice I had was you need to, you need to build up cash. Like you not cash in your, under your, under your bed, but you need to have an emergency fund. You need to have 10, 20, $30,000. And this article is basically saying that like you can't even think about investing until you know your budget until you're able to save some money because that's the whole and i I used to tell people it doesn't i don't care if it's 25 dollars a month what's going to happen is you're going to see that 25 turn into 50 turn into a thousand and you're going to get kind of addicted to watching that emergency money grow and then once you get to a point where you have three to six months of fixed expenses set aside or your income set aside now we can even think about, okay, what do I do with the next little bit that I can put aside? So I thought they, they did a good job at, you know, answering that question because most people, that's what they think. They go, okay, I have 20 bucks extra a month. Where should I invest it? No, you shouldn't even think about investing right now. I think though, for that reason, that's a good, that's why the, the title having the word investing in it is kind of important because although it's not it's very it's it's not the main focus of the article that's the point like before you can get to that point before you can think about literally how should i approach investing there are these other things that you have to do first so the way i interpreted the article was like don't even think about investing until you get there um and the other thing i would add to it is just like you have to have the mental fortitude to not touch it, like not be tempted to go there for like a trip or a vacation or something. I mean, you know, you got to, to Jeff, to your point, you got to be really clear in your own mind that that's emergency money that is going to stay there. Whatever the level is, it's, it's that's what it's there for. It's not for like you're, you're not going to like deplete it every year, you know? Yeah. And that's where it's tough for, for that demographic because it's hard for them to hire someone to be their advisor because they can't afford it. And no advisor wants to work for someone that can't afford them. But they're an essential part of that 20-somethings plan because they can open the account for them, hold the money. The 20-something, the client would have to maybe interact with that advisor before they touch the money. So there would be a bit of a barrier where those these robo programs and and betterment they don't they don't provide that there is no gatekeeper that is saying wait 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 no you can't take twenty five hundred bucks out of there to go to Jamaica because remember we got to get to ten grand first so 
there's got to be some, hopefully our industry, and I think we're working on it, is to try to find a way to help create that advice um, partnership at a reasonable cost for them and something that's viable for the and fair for the advisor. But at one point, is that just the responsibility of the person? Like, why is it the advisor's role to to like police your emergency fund? Because people aren't responsible in every aspect of their life. Yeah. That's why they hire people for help. I guess. I just kind of feel like in that example, and maybe I'm just nitpicking, like why don't you have enough discipline to not spend the 2500 on the Jamaica trip? Like I just said, because people as human beings don't have discipline. I mean, yeah. not even close. I mean, there's tons of people out there that will only get up and work out if they're going to see their trainer, right? Because they know that that person's going to hold them accountable. And if, you know, COVID happens, they're not going to work out for three months because they're they don't have that other person there. Uh, and I think that that theme is repeated for, uh, I would say, a majority of people, whether it be financial, whether it be whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I know we've told a lot of people like, hey, we're not your babysitter. Like you've got it. Your budget is your responsibility. We can't, you know, the decision's ultimately yours. But I mean, it sounds, yeah. like, sounds like you're saying maybe there's a role for the babysitter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I think we get there with the repeat offenders. Yeah. Like the person that we've told, you, you, look, you can live on drawing 40 grand from your million dollars. And it's like every year they need another 20 for a car or for a trip. And then we're finally, okay, look, man, this is your money. You know, I'm not your, I'm not your babysitter anymore. If you're not going to take the advice or listen to the advice, I'm done like trying to be your solid rock solid advisor. Just, just do whatever you want with it. And uh, good luck. You're probably going to run out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. No, I thought this was a good article and a good like a fir- a good first article for everyone um, who's who's getting started out, and hopefully it's something that. I mean, it was kind of, it seemed kind of obvious to me, but I guess that's just from doing what we do. Yeah, I'm curious how many people would read this and be like, "Wow, that makes a ton of sense." I think the time horizons, the right now money, the emergency fund, the medium term, and the long term money. And the examples they use to to kind of to explain each of those, I thought I think is helpful. Um, just the understanding that your retirement account is going to look different than your emergency fund. They yeah. should, and this is why. So yeah, I think very basically, it's a it was good. Cool. Also, uh, one last thing: no coincidence that they put this article out which runs completely contrary to how Robin Hood has been used <laughs> by people in their twenties over the past right. months. But, you know, I'm sure it was Robin Hood's attempt to try to, you know, maybe a combination of like better PR about what they are and who, who what they're about. And, and also hopefully trying to provide a little bit of help to, to their client. Yeah. 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 Um, so Robin Hood, I, well, I shouldn't, you can get financial advice from pretty much anyone who's willing to give it to you. And there are a handful of people who've gained some notoriety, good or bad, um, for like for doing that. Uh, Carl Richards, I would say, is more well-known in the advisor community um, as a 
Well, he's an author. He wrote the book, The Behavior Gap. Um, and he is kind of, I mean, I would say pretty prolific on, on Twitter. Um, and he tweeted, so I guess in the vein of financial advice, the tweet was, want to change your financial life? One, commit to getting out of bed at the same time each morning. Two, make your bed. Three, have a plan for the day and follow it. Four, watch the magic happen. So what if your plan for the day after your bed is made and you got up at the same time is to just smoke pot all day? <laughs> I'm going to watch the magic happen after that. But like, <laughs> what does this have? Like, if, if he said one to change your life, I would say, okay, this is corny, but whatever. Right. Like maybe this will work for some people making their bed. Your financial life? Like it doesn't it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I, I don't follow Carl Richards, and I'm not gonna because um, I'm looking at some of his other tweets, <laughs> you know, that are surrounding this one. But yeah, like I disagree with all four of them. <laughs> I'm not committing to getting out of bed at the same time each morning. I mean, I and, and if I do do it, I know it's not going to change my financial life. No, my bed. I don't make my bed, and I'm not gonna. What happens? What about spontaneity? What if, like, you know, somebody calls you at noon and says, "Hey, you know, you want to go uh, go to the Phillies game or just you know the ball game or whatever?" And you're supposed to say no because that wasn't in the plan. No, I'm sorry. I have to. Uh, I have to make my bed first. I probably won't make it to our first pitch. <laughs> and, and then watch the magic happen. Is hilarious. Like, <laughs> I I can't even make this guy. I, I don't even know what to say about that tweet. It's just a tweet. I get it, but come on, yeah. dude. Yeah. I mean, I don't follow him either. Someone I do follow, like, replied to it, something in the vein like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then I just had to send it to you guys because it's like, it's the craziest thing. I've read a lot of crazy shit on Twitter. This one is up there. <laughs> Truly. Watch yeah. the magic happen. Yeah. I mean, knowing, you know, having followed him and read some of his books and, it doesn't surprise me that he, he tweeted something as off the wall as that. I think I responded to both of you guys like this guy's spinning off the planet um, because I think he did spin off the planet at one point. Like he lived in the U.S. and then he like went bankrupt and moved to Australia. So like New like, Zealand or something. Yeah. New, New, yeah. yeah he was I mean, like, that's still on our planet. So. Yeah. But he's, he's he, I think he had like a mental breakdown and like oh, really? he did all this this tweeting and um, and research and content about being financially in good shape. And he wasn't like he was a complete disaster. Uh, um, so knowing that backstory about him, it doesn't surprise me. Like he, he's, he's nutty. Like he's crazy. But if I was someone else that didn't know all that and read that tweet, I'd be like, who <laughs> the F is this guy? Like yeah. it, it's the worst advice I think I've ever received in my entire life. Let me change your financial life, Meg. Wake up at six every day, then immediately make your bed. Have a plan because no one plans out their day. And then you're just going to watch the magic happen. Like what? What? First of all, if anyone told me to watch the magic happen, like with a straight face. That used to be my pickup line at the bar, Mike. Let me buy you a drink. And yeah, then watch the magic I, happen. It reminds make, me of MTV Cribs. Remember, they would like show they'd show their house, and then they'd go in the bedroom, and they'd be like, "This is where the magic happens." 
Now I have to give Carl just a little bit of credit. He does, he has come up with some really simple and helpful um, little anecdotes, or if that's even the word, like, you know, the things you could control and the things that um, matter. Jeff, you have some of his sketches in your, in your office. Yep. Jeff has a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're his best work. Yeah. I mean, like he tweeted right above this financial plans should be written in pencil, not carved in stone. Okay. It's corny, but it's, it's totally true. So I'm a little bit of credit on some of it, but this one is yeah. Off the (laughs) spinning off the planet. You're right. It's great. He's got good stuff. And I get, look, you're not going to hit home runs all the time. I get that. Like as someone who likes to joke around a lot, I I like, I I constantly tease and joke and some of them just fall flat. My wife looks at me like, that was the worst. I'm like, dude, like you're not. No one bats a thousand. Like you're gonna have some bombs. I don't even know though if he's at the plate with this one. Like <laughs> he like got benched before the game. <laughs> oh man, God bless Carl. Have fun in New yeah. Zealand, brother. Shout out Carl. Yeah. <laughs> the two things killing your ability to focus by William Trez Trezider. <laughs> Uh, from the Harvard Business Review. William's article talks about two things keeping us from focused and productive days, distracting technology and meetings. He then offers five daily practices that he thinks can improve attentiveness and effectiveness. Practice mindfulness, organize tasks, clean up, shrink meetings, and preserve buffers. You know, we, we could talk about those. And I just want to give my feedback before Mike rips this article Rants. to shreds. Because I know, I know that's, that's where why I wasn't even sure if I needed to give the five. <laughs> I actually, I didn't think I was going to. I didn't think I was going to, but I actually really did enjoy this article. And I thought it was good. I thought that, because the two things that this, that, that was his name, William mm-hmm. mentioned, I, I agree with him 100%. That, technology and our devices distract us a ton. And that's just the way life is anymore because they're so appealing. They're going to distract you. So you need to just have a, a way to deal with that. And I think everybody, I hate meetings. I don't mean like client meetings. I love meeting with clients and advising and being effective. I can't stand office meetings that are an hour and 45 minutes long and could have been about eight minutes could have been an email. or could have been an email. So I agree with him 100% on the, on those two. And I, I thought his, uh, his five helpful hints were, uh, were good too. wrecking ball. Let's what do you have ahead. to say? I just thought the article was obvious. It was captain obvious. That's all. I guess that was my take. And I guess that means it's good because it, it resonates and it makes sense and all that. But, it makes sense to you because you came out of corporate Vanguard and was like, this is crazy town. But the people in Vanguard, oh, I mean, yeah, we're so we just had three three hour meetings today. What a productive day. No, it's not. Yeah, there's a lot of people that thrive in, in that environment and they love it and they they want more of it. And I, I don't understand them at all. I think they're aliens, but uh, <laughs> But you're, but yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of like, all right, yeah, it makes sense. Yep, devices, distractions, everybody can be more effective if they turn them off or don't have unnecessary meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So I, my, that's that's my only take. I don't have much more. To, I'm not ripping it. I just don't have much more to say about the article. 
I thought it was going to be a lot more insightful only because it's from Harvard Business Review. Right. Like I thought we were going to get yeah. something a bit more profound than like make a to-do list. <laughs> I think you guys are both un underestimating how simple it is and to, to be more productive and how many people don't do these things, right? How many people log onto their computer and have 700 files on their desktop that they should either delete or organize in files or, or their desk is a mess. There's a lot of people that, that there's a lot of people that don't take 10 minutes a day to just be mindful and like take a breath or create buffers in their day where it's like, okay, I just had a meeting. I'm not going to have an, another meeting for another 45 minutes. So, cause I need that. I mean, I think it's very, obvious to the three of us, I think the majority of the world, this is not obvious to them. I am going to run from a three-hour meeting right into another three-hour meeting because that's productive. No, it's not. So I'm curious, how many tabs do you usually have open on your browser? Currently, right now, I have two, four, six. Okay. Two, of them, two of them were from yesterday. Three of them were from yesterday. And two of them are the articles we're discussing right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so if I run into somebody who has like 26 tabs open and that's how they run their day, I can't, my head explodes. You yeah, know, I'm with yeah. you. I'm, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So maybe that's like a correlation. If you clean up your tabs and get out of what you were looking at or reading or doing, that's part of that organization that the article talks about. And maybe we're all sort of, be operate the same way in that in that way. I think that's the one that resonated with me the most was a clean work environment, physical and digital. Like your yeah. desk, your computer, your device. I mean, some people have home screens on their cell phone that are train wrecks. And like you have to <laughs> right. scroll 27 times to find an app that you use every day. Like why wouldn't that be at the bottom of the page. I know that's a pet peeve of yours. <laughs> and like you, you actually train, like when you mentioned that to me once, I was like, wow, she's, she's kind of right. And I've shrunk mine down to. Right. Like, and like, in my, why wouldn't you just move that? Because I like that picture of Colin and I want to okay. see it. And it's blocked with that. So that's the only reason, but it would be, I would have one home screen. There are, there is no swiping mm -hmm. and the people, with, it, I swear to God, I look at them like, Oh my God, you just swiped. 17 times to get to your like email app. It's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people like that too. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Our, de our home desktop computer, Mike, there there's maybe a million shortcuts on it and, and tabs on it. Uh, so I, yeah. and you know, half of them are like sneakers that Colin downloaded the picture of to the desktop. <laughs> so one day I like cleaned it up. I created like, a folder that said desktop photos and put them all in there and like cleaned everything up. My family, like they couldn't operate. They were like, what, 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 where, where, where'd all the files go? Like they're not deleted guys. I just, I, I cleaned them up. They couldn't operate. I tried to organize my mom's phone, but I, I guess too, part of this is like, I organized it based on how I would operate. Right. Like the productivity apps, the music apps, the, everyday use apps like this bitch is like meg where are my notes like right. that's all i need 
And so it's very much not organized the way that, that I did, but that's okay, I guess. Did she say thank you? No. She was more confused than anything. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Politics is now a dating deal breaker, according to new research. Jamie Bell from BigThink.com wrote this article. Uh, Political divisiveness is at an all-time high and it's impacting relationships. Jamie's article, which references a Dating.com study, reveals that sharing your political party might be a dating deal breaker for many people. According to the study, 84% of people currently looking for a relationship through dating apps won't even consider dating someone with opposite political views. Are we surprised? Um, no, I'm not surprised. I would say my parents' generation really didn't give a shit. You know, it's like husband's like a hardcore lib or hardcore conservative and wife just kind of adopts his beliefs, went along with it and yeah. adopted it. And that's because their generation, like women were inferior to men and Today, like, that's not the case. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone's entitled to it. And most people understand that and are not sexist and racist and whatever else. I don't know about most, but... (laughs) I would hope that most are not. Um, So I think, yeah, and and people are way more vocal now, which I don't understand why they are when it comes to politics. And this is just my own bias. I mean, I hate politics. I don't talk about it. I borderline don't care about them. It gets you nowhere. The conversations get you nowhere. I don't care unless you're somebody that's like, look, I'm a hardcore liberal and I want to convince you to be a hardcore liberal too. And this is why. Okay. If that's what you feel like your role in life is cool. I'm not hanging out with those people. Um, So if somebody gets into it with their significant other or potential significant other and it blows the relationship up, well, no shit because politics can bring two very strong opinions out. And if they're opposing, uh, they ain't hooking up later that night. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I, I am not surprised again at the article and the results or whatever the stats that they threw out. I guess the question I'd have is how, how much more polarized, well, I think maybe the answer is kind of obvious. It's probably more polarized than ever, or at least it's more outwardly polarized because of social media than ever. Um, and maybe with, with that aspect of things, um, it's just more common to add that to your, to your sort of repertoire, your profile, which is like your, which way you lean. And with more people that are way left or way right, I I mean, it's not surprising that it's a deal killer. Um, I can see how it could be a deal killer. Yeah, I think the fact that it's even an option on your dating profile speaks to how polarizing it is. Because if you meet someone somewhat organically, the likelihood of that coming up in like your initial conversation is probably pretty slim, unless unless you meet the person you just described, right? Who's just so politically active or driven that it's like resonating or whatever through them. But I think if it's on your dating profile and a person looks at three pictures of you, sees your age, your location, and your like political affiliation, yeah, like if I'm not, 
if that information is readily available to me, why wouldn't you not match with the person who's not like-minded? So if I was like on a dating app, mm-hmm. given my level of interest in politics, I could, I wouldn't care. I could care less if they're democratic, Republican, independent, or whatever. Like yeah. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to me. Yeah. And I think with politics, people are either like really into it or could really care less. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of middle ground, like somebody that's just like, Hey, I'm a Democrat and I feel this way and you're a Republican. Let's say, let's talk about our different views and just like, keep it kind of like, cool. That doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, Meg, like meeting someone organically, you're going to figure out their views without even saying what's your sure, political sure. stance. Because you're going to talk to the guy and he's going to be like, oh, I can't believe uh, these people living on food stamps and welfare. Like, you're like, okay, I know where you stand and I don't want to hang out with you anymore. Yeah. Like, so I just think I, I took away from it like, man, people, people are way too charged about their political view. I mean, I just don't see the value in having such a strong stance place your vote, move on. Stop trying to convince the other half of the world that you're right and I'm wrong. I don't get it. It's so much more personalized though. Like I think nowadays it's like, I could never date someone who voted for Trump or vice versa. And it's more about like the person that they voted for. They have such like, they despise them, you know? And it's, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, it is the party, but I think it's, it's just I, I can't I can't I can't hang out with somebody who voted that way. I think yeah we we're just there's too many generalizations too many like sweeping oh if you're if you're Republican you fall into this camp and if you're Democratic you fall in or Democrat you fall into this camp and me as a wherever I fall like people feel like if you don't fall into my camp why would I date you or why would I like we have nothing in common. It's like we could have literally everything else in common, but that, and that's going to be the deal breaker. Right. Right. Um, but I, I just, so many good things are associated with each side. So many bad things are associated with each side and there's no gray <laughs> for right. a lot of people. Yeah. That's why I, I, I don't understand why it's so, I'm not going to understand it because I'm not politically charged. Uh, I do say I did not disagree with the study that was done in 2000. And I'm sorry, I do not agree with the study that was done in 2017 in this article. Do you guys remember this little snippet? No. Traditional behaviors in the bedroom, what some might deem to be vanilla sex, (laughs) can be closely related to more conservative orientations, whereas more adventurous sexual endeavors can suggest more liberal ideas. (laughs) What? I mean, from personal. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, man. So Democrats are more sexually adventurous <laughs> and Republicans have more vanilla sex. That is the dumbest statement I've ever seen. It's so dumb. <laughs> you know, there's the things you're not supposed to talk about, like money, politics, and kids. Like first time you meet somebody, we covered literally all those bases. Oh my God. And I was like, I can't ever see you again. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> first of all, we disagree on all of it, which it was like very agree to disagree. So he asked you if you wanted to have children. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. On, on date one. Date one, like beer two. Oh my God. Like it wasn't even yeah. like we were, you know, bombed at the bar, you know, three hours, four hours into it. Like second beer, 
where do you stand on kids? Yeah, there's like, like all right, well, there's a very like specific way that that topic could have been broached. Like you're like, you're like 17 beers in and it's like, dude, let's go back and have sex. And he's like, <laughs> eh, I don't really want to because I don't want to have kids. Right. Like that's a no, way. <laughs> it was dead sober. Look you in the eye. Do you want children? Oh my God. Dude. And I was like, no. And then, and then it's like, do I have to justify that to a complete stranger? Absolutely not. Can we move on, please? But come here, Henry. I'll have you hang out with the people I work with and their families for a little <laughs> bit, and then you'll understand my point of view. <laughs> the other thing about the, the funny thing, you read these articles, and like this one's a perfect example. You know, like halfway through, there's they they have to put a picture in, right? A young couple sitting on a couch, got her head in her hands you know, kind of distraught. He's like brooding, looking into the distance because they're disagreeing about politics. Why do we disagree on politics? And then the, the like how to deal with it. Again, the the common sense nature, use non-confrontational language. Don't call the person an asshole for believing what they believe. Right. Choose the right time if that exists, I guess. And then be open-minded or respectful. Like, duh. Yeah, because 100% of the people in the world are open-minded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was interesting. Interesting enough to read. All right. Top five most annoying habits or behaviors of your own or others. So if we want to be self-reflective, fine. Okay. I wasn't. <laughs> okay. I'll go. Um, I think these are going to be very repetitive. I thought you had some interesting ones. Um, I hate when people have stray like eyebrow hairs or ear hairs, mostly men that like don't clean it up, man. Like when you got a strand coming out of your inner ear, you take care of it, dude. Especially if you're like on 60 minutes and you're Andy Rooney and the camera <laughs> face. I've seen people with like a strand coming out of like the tip of their nose. Like, how do you not see that? Like when you brush your teeth in the morning, like get the tweezer and take it out. Like just to be like completely lost from eyebrow to ears. Just, I don't get it. Okay. Um, my father-in-law is, is he's, he falls victim to this one. He's an armpit scratcher. Like we'll lift the arm up, expose the pit with, a, with like a tank top on and scratch. His hairy armpits. Oh, it's awful. It's disgusting. I hate it. Um, fork biters, the people that like will eat a meal and like scrape the fork with their teeth and you can hear the, the their teeth clanging off a fork. Um, I, can't, I can't say I've, I've seen that. Oh, it's yeah, horrible. not intentionally at least. Fingernail peelers. People that like will peel back their fit, like as instead of like getting a clipper, it's not the same as like picking, but they like peel their fingernails off. Ugh. And then uh, my, my, this is my number one teeth suckers. Someone gets done a meal and they're <laughs> sucking at their teeth. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You do that sometimes, by the way. <laughs> Not a lot. I was wondering how many of these would apply to each other. Not a lot. You don't do it a lot. My brother-in-law, and he knows because I've, I've called him out on him. Like, dude, yeah, like, what are you doing? Stop sucking your teeth. What are you trying to accomplish? Maybe someone has something stuck in their Go teeth. get a toothpick. Go in the bathroom. Clean yourself up and then come I back. don't, I can, okay. No. 
justify my behavior. Go ahead, Meg. Um, okay, so I hate being put in group text messages with like 45 people and I don't have any of the phone numbers. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> like it is so unbelievably frustrating for me that you, the person starting the text would think that's a good idea, particularly around Christmas when like your cousins like Merry Christmas and then 39 other people are responding Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Like I don't know any of you. Thank God for the do not disturb and like mute notifications function. Yeah. Like who wants to hang out over Christmas break? It's like, Dude, I don't know half of these people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to commit because I don't know who's on this. And if you're in this group text, I'm willing to bet I don't want to hang out with you because <laughs> you're responding to the text message. Um, f- another phone one, the keyboard clicks. Ooh, yeah. Like yeah. when people text or yeah. type and you hear the click and it's like, yeah. why would that not be turned off? Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> people who ha- very obviously have to blow their nose. Instead of blowing their nose, they just sniff. They're just constantly like, go get a tissue. Like just go to the bathroom and get a tissue. Yeah. It's disgusting. Agreed. Agreed. Um, this is a new one for me, and I don't know why I've noticed it more than ever. But people who just friggin' leave shopping carts in the middle of the parking lot, like not in place, they're in a parking lot, this parking spot, or they're. Yeah. It's rude. so rude. It's like rude. I didn't even go I didn't go that route, but now that you're saying that, yeah. Like I'm, somebody has to put that back. Yeah. Yep. It's incredibly rude. And then this is like number one for me always is I hold the door for you and you walk in without saying thank you. Just those are good ones, Meg. Acknowledge yeah. me, please. Yeah. I always do you, I always go, You're welcome. You can do that. The passive no. aggressive, you're welcome. No. Oh, I do it all the I time. I just give a dirty look and I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> Those are good, Meg. Thanks, Jeff. What you got, Trains? So mine are, we, we touched on it earlier, I think. Um, people who have like thousands of unread, unopened emails or texts. <laughs> like, yep. just delete. Like, you, even if you know it's spam, like junk, just hit delete. Just get it out. You're going to be in your email all day, every day. Just take care of it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why, but it bothers me. Um, I, another one is, and this is someone in my immediate household is guilty of this. I won't. <laughs> um, but like leaving cabinet doors open, like getting a plate out or a, or a glass or a, and just leaving the cabinet open. <laughs> like not closing it. Like, who does that? <laughs> it's like uh, the easiest thing to fix. Right. Another thing that annoys me, and this is, I don't, I'm calling it a habit or a behavior because that's the title of our top five. But people who are too lazy to um, figure out whether you're supposed to use your with an apostrophe or your without an apostrophe or, um, there and there, the people that constantly misspell those easy words because they're too lazy to spell it correctly. What about two and two? Well, yeah, either any of like those. T O O or T O. I mean, I reprimand my kids all the time when if I see a text from them and it's and, and it's has that. Uh, <laughs> I think. Problem. I think that should be on dating apps. 
I don't care about your political views. I want to know that you know the difference between there, <laughs> there, and there. So, Mike, you're you're that upset about even on text message? Oh yeah. yeah. Really? When else do you see it? The abbreviations like U, the letter U for you and R for R. Like, yeah. you know, th- that's okay. But when you just blatantly spell a word in improperly because you just didn't care to figure out which was the right way to spell it, I think that's stupid. It's a difference. Okay. You're guilty yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, I, like I'll do Y-O-U-R, even though I mean you are, just because I don't feel like finding the, like going to the apostrophe in an R-E. You also have spell check off though. I do. Which doesn't help your case. Yeah. Like, cause mine will autocorrect. Yeah. It'll give me the apostrophe. Yeah. 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 I'm just too lazy to go do that, which yeah. you probably type Y-O-U-R and then space and then it autocorrects it for you. I type the E, Y-O-U-R-E, and then it puts the apostrophe. Right. right. It, th- yes. it throws it right in for you. <laughs> so my fourth one, um, and, and this is maybe more of a kid thing or a teenage thing, but I noticed that a lot of pe- a lot of adults do too. And I, I mean, I'm guilty of it too much. People that overuse the word like in every sentence. I was saying like, so like I went to, um, went to my friend's house and like, uh, like, like Susie wasn't there. And like, so, so then I, where, where this every third word is like, no, I use it a ton. I, I use it too much. I, use it I do ton. too. Yeah. I do too, but sometimes I I think to myself, you know, I have to I have to correct it and get like completely out of the um, the vocabulary when it's just used as a really a placeholder. It doesn't mean anything. I'm at least cognizant of it, so yeah. I try to stop it, but definitely use it way too much. And I think so. The number one on my list, and I feel like we've talked about this before, but it it it's still there. Um, and this is pre-COVID. The dudes who walk out of a public bathroom and don't wash their hands. Wow. Yeah. You guys thought of different, like I wasn't on the same wavelength. Uh, that's a really good one. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> it's a number well, one by far. The reason was that it, it was habits or behaviors. And so like you, you were, I just said like, but you were in uh, the habit section more than yeah general behaviors. And I, I kind of went that way. Yeah. I mean, as you guys are talking, I have two. <laughs> that like, 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 like littering cannot stand. Oh yeah. Good one. The cigarette butt out the car window. I've seen people throw uh, Burger King bags out the window. I want to get out of my car and beat the living shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other one is when people are going to get their takeout order and no one else in the world matters. So they can just pull up to the side of the, the in front of the, restaurant and not park their car in the parking lot in the fire lane and block everyone else that's trying to go back and forth in traffic in the shopping center, but they're just going to pull to the curb so they can just get out and go get their. I hate that. I can't believe nose picking didn't land on anyone's list. It's gross, but like, like, but if you're doing that, I, I get, I kind of just feel bad for you. <laughs> my, my, my first Reaction is not, I'm annoyed by that. I'm grossed out by that. But I also, like, I don't want to even look at a nose picker. So you're off my radar if right. I see you right. picking your nose. Should we, Meg, should we try to guess who in Mike's family is the cabinet door lever opener? Will you tell us? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I know it. 
Who is it? Will. Nope. Is he right? Wow. Ooh. Well, then it's Meredith. Nope. No, then it's Pam. If it's not Will, it's Pam. <laughs> it's Pam, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I'm gonna tag her in this one. Uh, Listen to yeah. the end. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. For sure.